Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Tracy Bissett. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, looking forward to this. Tracy is going to share her entrepreneur journey and why small businesses that plan for the future, especially in the area of financial planning, uh, and especially when it comes to cash flow, why do they perform better than those that don't? Those who are leading, planning, and being pro pro proactive will also thrive no matter what economic environment. So we're going to chat today about what I'm entitling financial fitness, which is what Tracy focuses on with her clients. To receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode, and how you can continue supporting my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, please visit thehowabusiness.com. Let me tell you a little bit more about Tracy. As a chief financial fitness trainer of Bissett Financial Fitness Incorporated, Tracy Bissett educates, empowers, educates and empowers individuals notably young adults and entrepreneurs, to take control of and live their financial lives with confidence. As a former executive at TD Bank, which is one of Canada's big five banks, Tracy has worked with and has been in support of thousands of individuals and entrepreneurs to help them secure their financing needs. This hands-on hands experience, coupled with her formal financial education, which includes a master's of business administration and chartered, fi chartered financial analyst designation that positioned Tracy uniquely to coach about all things money. Tracy is a full-time professor in, in the financial services faculty within the business school at Centennial College. And she leads speaking engagements and is the executive producer and host of Young Money, the Young Money podcast which is all, all of that is focused on increasing financial fitness. Tracy lives in the Toronto, Canada area. So once again, Tracy Bissett, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. Can't wait to dive into our conversation. Absolutely. Let's start though with, with the journey a little bit. Uh, you spent, as I alluded to in your bio, I think over almost 20 years in the financial industry, in the banking industry. So you were doing that? What what leads you then at some point to decide you wanted to go off on your own? Well, I, when I was a child, I had a lot of small businesses like Lemonade Stand. I had a, a business we took care of people's houses when, when they were away. Lots of stuff when I was young. And so I always thought at some point I might have my own business. Um, but what happened in 2015 is as does happen in financial services, there was some restructuring. And my seat was taken away from the table. And, and instead of picking up a job at another uh, competing institution doing the same thing I was doing, I took some time and thought about it and decided to put all the things that I like to do together and, and created Bissett Financial Fitness. Why, though, did it take you 20 years uh, <laughs> to get to that point? Why, why did it take that restructuring, that event that happened to you to finally take the leap? I was always learning and I always liked the people I was working with. So the people in the organization, as well as the customers that I was supporting. And so really was moving from one job to another. I probably had 
10 or 11 jobs during that time. And so the, the years went by very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, it kind of gave me time to pause. And I thought, let's see if I can put all those things together and all my experience and, and do all of the things I want to do um, on my own versus in an organization. I suspect maybe you financially, personally, financially, you were in a good position also to take this, this risk to go off on your own. Absolutely. Um, I had my own home at that point and I certainly received a really fair severance and so had the, the luxury of time to be able to thoughtfully figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah, I gave you a little bit of a runway. And so, I mean, it sounds like uh, similar to my situation in part, as long as you kept being challenged and you were learning and you were enjoying generally who you were working with, then uh, there wasn't that impetus necessarily to go off and start your business until that point in time that came along. No, there wasn't. And I I worked very hard, um, lots of hours and all of the roles that I had. And so the time just kind of flew by, Mm -hmm. but I was always learning and enjoying who I was working with and who I was supporting. Uh, So it was a a great opportunity. Looking back at it now, do you wish you would have done it sooner or was it the right time? I wish I had done it sooner. It was very nice to have the severance cushion to figure everything out. Um, But looking back at the last few years, it was uh, probably more stressful than I needed. And I'm not sure contributions were valued as much as I would have liked them to be. So probably could have taken my leave a little bit earlier. Yeah. Well, that you touch on something there that I think leads uh, those of us who do make the transition. That's one of the things that that builds up to the point where we can no longer accept or reconcile it. That is that we are being limited, that our value is being limited, and that we feel we can do more and be rewarded uh, to a higher level, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So um, right now you've been a a business owner for some time now, what would you say are some of the things that it does for you? What what are some of the benefits to you of being your own boss? Well, I couldn't believe it, or I wouldn't have imagined this, but I do work more than I used to, which is hard to believe, but (laughs) I get to be involved with all of the things that I choose to be involved with. And so um, I spend some of my time every week teaching students how to work in financial services. I coach business clients um, how to take control of their cash flow and other financial sides of their business. Uh, I love having the podcast. I I never would have imagined I would have a podcast and that I would Mm. enjoy it so much, but it's one of the best things I've ever done. And uh, really gives me the freedom to get involved with things that interest me and where I feel I can make a big impact. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so let's start by defining for me what you mean by, uh, you, you call yourself in part, one of the roles that you play is a financial fitness trainer. At a high level, what does, what does that mean? And so it's a, a teacher, it's a coach, someone to help you see the path and, and help you learn some of the things that maybe you've been avoiding. Um, certainly, I know in Canada, our school system does a really poor job of educating students about personal finance and and not even get started about business finance. And uh, I imagine it's, it's the same there as well. Absolutely. So yeah. being able to help people tackle something that they've usually had a mental block around uh, money gets very emotional for people. And so just starting that conversation, um, being a trustworthy person so that they're open to confide in me. And I, I push them a little bit in terms of the things that they should be doing, but it's all from a place of wanting to help them. And it's, uh, I believe financial fitness, it's a journey we're on for our entire life. Uh, If we think about physical fitness, you could be taking your first step off the couch, going for a walk around the block. Comparatively, we could be just starting to learn about different accounts, different ways to finance things in our personal life or in our business, or we could be even further on the journey. uh, If we're in the physical fitness world, again, going to run a marathon, 
Whereas maybe we're learning about investing or, or some more sophisticated things for our business on the financial side. So I think everyone is somewhere on their journey and it's our, our obligation and, and kind of our role to continue to increase our knowledge. And, and I learn new things every single week. So I know that there's, there's always more to learn and we can always improve our, our financial fitness. Absolutely. And it's a great way to put it in a great analogy. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I suspect that's part of what keeps it challenging for you. But but it's also, I think, what makes it challenging for small business owners, because most of us go into business ownership, not having, like you articulated, yeah. <laughs> any of this financial training or education, right? Uh, with rare exception. So let's start with from a small business owner's perspective, what are some of the fundamentals in your opinion of what you call financial fitness for a small business owner? Tell me some of where it starts. So firstly, tracking and recording your actual um, business activities in the financials. So whether you do it yourself or you have a bookkeeper who records your, your sales and all your expenses and is able to complete those financial statements for you, and then you as the owner being able to read them and actually take insight from what the numbers say. The next thing that's very important is an understanding of cash flow. So the simplest way I can explain it is money comes into your business. Usually when you're collecting from your customers, money goes out to pay all your bills. And that timing that it happens is the kind of the magic of cash flow. And we have to make sure that we have enough cash on the days that we need to pay things to keep our business going. And certainly in my career um, at the bank, I was able to see businesses can go under in as quick as 90 days if they don't have enough access to cash flow, whether that's access to a line of credit, uh, deposits that they built up or, or outside sources. And so it's almost like the oxygen a business needs to breathe. Yeah, well said. I couldn't agree with you more. I just just recently did an episode just on cash flow and how to calculate that because so many so many business owners, including myself, I'm not an expert at it. And I just kind of learned over time, like you said, uh, evolving that knowledge. But it, it's such a critical thing. And I love what you said, because I've said this a million times on this <laughs> podcast about that. That's the one of the number one killers of businesses, right? Yes. You We go into it often having put everything we have in. So we've already put everything in. We don't do a good enough job, whether it's startup or ongoing, to, to forecast what I'm going to need cash flow wise. And then when I hit that crunch, I may not have anything else to tap into and I run out of money. Absolutely. And another situation which is really unfortunate is that you're highly successful, but all of your people are paying you later, all your customers. And so you have high sales but you don't actually have any cash in the bank because they're delaying for whatever reason. And, and that can cripple a business as well. Absolutely. That's such a, such a key component of it, right? Where if you have receivables of any kind, you've got to be on top of that as a business owner, or also it might be exacerbated by the fact that you might make inventory, large inventory mm -hmm. purchases on a periodic basis that also impacts cash flow, right? Absolutely. It's like just having piles of cash sitting on the floor there in your, in your location. That's right. That's right. That's why that's so important to manage. The other thing is where cash flow comes into play, because you might be thinking, well, I have neither of those, but what if you're planning to bring on a, a new hire that's going to take some time to ramp up, or you're going to make a capital purchase, a piece of equipment or whatever else you're going to bring on. And there was a big expenditure that you're going to have maybe next month. How do you know if you're going to have the cash to, to cover that? Yeah, so for forecasting what's coming in, what's going out, and then putting some aside to ensure that you'll be able to make that hire or buy that equipment. 
really important. And uh, most business owners, small business owners in particular, operate their their business from their bank account, which is not really the way that that should be happening. No, no, that's 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 what can really kill you. All right, so staying at this higher level here before I dive into a couple of points, the thing I often hear, which I'm sure you hear more than I do, is business owners who say, well, I'm just terrible with numbers. I hate the financials. And so I just let my accountant worry about that at the end of the year. When you encounter someone who's at that position, what what do you advise them to do? Uh, Well, I certainly am a huge proponent of taking accountability. So you don't need to be the bookkeeper. You don't need to be your own accountant, but you do need to take responsibility and accountability for knowing the financial position of your business. And it doesn't need to be very complicated. Um, If you have a bookkeeper doing your numbers, they can walk you through them every single month. Talk about what were the sales, what were all the expenses, make sure that you're actually making money and that you're profitable in what you're doing. And then even mapping out a really rudimentary cash flow forecast. So you can make sure you're going to have money there the days that you need it. Uh, so I, I don't think you need to have all of the knowledge, uh, but you do have the accountability and responsibility to um, hold on knowing the financial position of the business. And without that, it's really hard for you to hit your strategic objectives because you don't know where you stand financially. No, you can navigate the business. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, we cannot, as small business owners, surrender that responsibility. And we cannot hide behind the excuse that I'm not good at numbers. Me personally, I'm terrible at math. But you do not have to be any kind of a math wizard to begin to understand your financials, to look at the key numbers and the key metrics that tell you which way you're trending, what has happened, where's the money going, what's profitable. That, that's pretty simple math in my experience, Tracy. Absolutely. And if you, you're working with someone, they can help you set up a cash flow forecast, help you set up a dashboard so that it, it runs itself. And that once the numbers populate, you're starting to see those trends and it's easy to then spend. Uh, I prefer a little bit of time every week versus kind of once a month, a, yeah. a larger amount of time. If you keep your eye on it, then you're you're continuing to learn. And if you have resources around you that you can ask questions to, you're just going to enhance your knowledge. And then it goes back to what you had said at the outset about a lifetime journey of learning. Mm-hmm. The, the way that I gathered a lot of my knowledge besides reading and applying myself and then I was fortunate that in my corporate background, I had some finance exposure. And so I understood some of the basics of it, but I just keep asking my accountant or CPA the same question until I get it right. It's, it's, that's what that resource is there for. And you, we have to ask those questions and get the help, as you said, to figure this out. Yeah. And there's certainly a few open-ended questions you can ask your bookkeeper or your accountant, um, especially when you're looking at the year end statements, If you were in my position, what do you think is going well from the numbers? What would you be worried about? If you were looking at other firms in the same industry, same level of sales, what are they concerned about? What are they doing? And so without having a lot of knowledge, you can inquire uh, and ask them to, to fill in some of the gaps for you, which kind of marries up then how you run the business with the numbers. So you're able to see those things in action. Yeah, great tips, great questions. And that also... That also leads to then that I'm not just at the end of the year throwing to my CPA all of the of the receipts and the books and let them figure out. I need to have them as a consultant in my business as well. Yes. Yeah. All right. So talking, speaking of financial statements, what in your opinion are those key financial statements that most businesses need to be at least familiar with? Like you said, perhaps reviewing weekly, certainly at least once a month. Tell me about that. 
the first one is an income statement or profit and loss or PL, as lots of people call it. It yep. will show you for the time period you're looking at all of your sales and all of your expenses. So if I was, if my year end is December, I'm sitting here now, uh, let's say end of September in the month of October, I'll look at my month for September, but I'll probably also look at year to date and see how am I trending. If I had some forethought at the beginning of the year, I might've created a budget and put that in my accounting software so I could compare my forecast to my actual, but that's gonna keep us on track from a sales and expense standpoint and let us know if we're being profitable. Um, about, and so I would look at that monthly, include the month as well as the year to date. I would also look at my balance sheet, which shows me all of the things I own of value and all of the people I owe money to or, or basically how we finance all of those things we own. And a lot of business owners don't tend to look at this statement um, because it doesn't make sense to them. Yeah, and it's confusing. Start, We're not sure quite, quite what it tells us, right? Yeah, but you're able to then quickly see if things are off track. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many um, businesses I've looked at their financial statements that just happened yesterday again. And I asked the people if they were carrying inventory in their location because we mm -hmm. I hadn't been to their location and they were and there's nothing sitting on their financial statements. I see. But at a minimum, let's make sure the things that you actually own are sitting on there. Right. And um, and then you can see that interaction. And then the less so a cash flow statement, but I prefer you to look at and, and work on a cash flow forecast so that we're actually planning into the future. Yeah. And I think related to that, the biggest, I think, misconception is a, well, my PL will tell me about cash flow, which which it does not. And I want you to elaborate on that a little bit. Or as you had talked about before, I'll just look at my bank statement, but that doesn't show me what's coming. That's so right. give me a little bit more on why the cash flow statement is different than the PL. So the the PL shows you all of the sales and the expenses, but it does not show you the timing that that stuff is happening. It also doesn't factor in any payments you're making on loans. Um, so you're not gonna see all of those outflows. So we've gotta actually look at what does happen in our bank accounts. Let's forecast what's going to come in from those receivables we're gonna collect, or if we only make our, our, our sales at the time uh, when we're giving away our product or our service, what money's coming in and what's going out. And we actually wanna track that cash because there's a lot more cash that will go out than is sitting on, as an expense on our P&L. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as we talked about inventory is another example of when I make that inventory purchase that does not show up on my P&L until I start consuming it. And then it's a cost of goods sold typically. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've seen a whole bunch of different things with smaller business owners. One, if they have uh, receivables that they don't collect, instead of showing it as a bad debt, sometimes they just reduce their sales, which I is see. not right, not right. <laughs> <laughs> which, which can then defraud the government of their sales tax. Uh, on that, uh, also seen um, other things just not represented correctly. And I find that in our current environment, people are very quick to hype sales levels. And mm. I know that certainly working with business owners during the pandemic, they reduced their sales, but they were actually more profitable, profitable because they got focused on their expenses. So it's not just about, are we increasing the sales? Are we making money? Yeah. Yeah. So related to that, you, you, you help businesses a lot with uh, answering that question of, can I afford what can I afford? Let's say it's a capital expense and you help people do that in a very short time in five minutes or less. So how is it that you get your clients to that point where they can make that decision as to whether I can afford something so quickly? I work with them to create a cash flow forecast. And depending on the level of their cash flow, the, the standard frequency or cadence is monthly. If their cash flow is tighter, it might be weekly or daily. But to set that up for six months in a forecast, 
alongside it. If, we, if you can envision it, we're doing it in Excel. So very easy to use spreadsheet. We're mm -hmm. going to put the actual numbers beside it. And so we can start making corrections if we notice we're off track. But then if we decide, like you mentioned earlier, yeah, we want to hire someone in two months. Let's start putting that expense in there, that additional outflow, and let's see what happens to our cash flow forecast. So once it's set up, it, it literally is under five minutes to plug that number in and see what happens, see if it's going to be uh, doable. And then sometimes it might mean maybe we're going to ramp up our sales efforts, or maybe we already had the sales, but we haven't had the collection. So we've got to do something about our collection process. Maybe we're going to get a loan to finance a piece of equipment if that's what we're trying to do. But then we can start start solving for all of those problems once we understand the, the situation. Yeah, and like you said, once you set it up, then it's a matter of just adding a rolling month to it is what I typically do. If yes. I want to look out three rolling months or six rolling months, something in that range typically, and that'll allow you to very quickly, if you've got that set up, you know, there's some work to get it set up initially, but once you've got it, you've got this forecast, work, forecast worksheet set up, then it's pretty easy to use it as an ongoing tool, right? Exactly. And it, it's a really good, it doesn't always feel good when you're making it, because I can, I can see the pain sometimes on my right. client's faces, but it really helps you get in touch with the way your business actually works. How long does it take people to pay you? When are these expenses due? How much is the money? And you probably have never focused on these numbers to that degree till you start doing that. And then all of a sudden you feel like you've got a really good foundation of the financials of your business because you've just spent time with them and to do that forecast, but you have to get to know the actual situation before you can try to do that. Yeah, agreed. This is Henry Lopez with a brief break from this episode to share a special offer from our show sponsor, Double. Do you ever feel like there aren't enough hours in the day to accomplish everything you need to get done? I know I do. I received some great advice on this early in my business ownership journey, and that is to delegate as soon as possible to become more efficient and grow your small business. Are you at a point in your business where you're contemplating hiring an assistant? Perhaps you're worried about not needing someone full-time yet and having a tough time finding a part-time virtual assistant that isn't overseas? That's where Double comes in. Double helps business owners by matching them with a personal assistant and providing the necessary tools to efficiently delegate administrative tasks, allowing you to focus on what you do best, running your company. Accepting only 0.5% of applicants, Double's comprehensive vetting process ensures that your personal assistant knows what they're doing and can help you save at least 10 hours in just the first month alone. Go to withdouble.com today and get 50% off your first month when you sign up with Double using the code HOWBUS22. That's withdouble.com using the code HOWBUS22 and unlock 50% of your first month. And most importantly, get time back so you can focus on what matters most to you and your business. All right, we've talked about some some of those mistakes, some of those common misconceptions, maybe. What else do you typically see? What other mistakes do you see small business owners make as it, as it relates to their finances? So I typically work with business owners across all industries. Sales are under $2 million a year. One of the big things I see consistently, and I would say it happens in 85% of the, the business owners I work with, is they're not pricing profitably. Mm. So they've picked a price. Who knows how? Sometimes they look at their competitor and they go less. Um, sometimes they just pick a number out of, out of their hat, um, but they're not making any money on what they're doing. 
So I like to come at it kind of from two perspectives. One, let's start from the bottom up. What are all the, the costs that go into you delivering this product or service? And then can we have some coverage for overhead? Those things that we have to pay, whether we, we sell anything or not, like our rent, like insurance, all those kinds of things. And then we can tack on what we want that profit to be and work up to get a price. And we can then alternatively look around um, in the market, see what our competitors are doing. And it's not to take their competitors price, it's to assess how much are they charging for what they're providing and then to take a, a good look at our value that we're offering and, and price it appropriately, making sure that we're making money on it. Yeah, it seems to be one of the biggest challenges, I think, for small business owners is they're afraid to raise prices. Yes. And I'm still seeing it now with the inflation levels where they are. And yeah. everybody knows that things are more expensive. So now is the best time to pass those increases through and, and not just the increases, but make sure if you weren't profitable that you're putting it up a little bit more because uh, people will certainly understand it now more than ever. Yeah. Or to perhaps it might mean, as you said, to either phase out or minimize a product line that has been higher impacted and is not as profitable. So maybe it's time to reduce the focus on that or eliminate it altogether. Yeah, it gives you lots of power when you have that information, because then you can say, okay, we want to do a marketing strategy that focuses on this. We're still going to offer this other thing that doesn't have as high margins or high profitability uh, because we have to, but we're going to focus all of our sales efforts on the, the most lucrative thing. The other thing I have found that's been helpful to me, Tracy, is to have the right level of granularity in my P&L, let's say by product line, so that it, it's a, that that tool serves me better to be able to isolate product lines and see see it, what it tells me there at the P&L level. What are, what are your thoughts there? I think that's great. If you're just getting started with bookkeeping, that might feel a little daunting. It's too uh, much, right, to get it started. But certainly yeah. if, if you've already got your bookkeeping underway, I think that's mm -hmm. a great place to go to because then the, the software is doing that work for you. Yeah, it's almost like sometimes I, I see people think that the chart of accounts is like written in stone and you can't go back and change it, right? Yeah, you don't want to change it every month, but you certainly once a year should be revisiting it, especially if you start offering new products or services and make sure that everything's reflected in the way that you think about your business. So it involves conversations with your bookkeeper and with your accountant that this is how I run my business and make sure the numbers line up to go along with that strategy. So if we flip it and you've, you've mentioned obviously some examples, if we look at, as you look at entrepreneurs, small businesses that are doing it right as it relates to managing their money. What else are they doing that we haven't covered already? What else are they implementing as strategies or practices to manage their finances? Well, I have so much respect and admiration for the way that they run their businesses. Oftentimes I'll ask them, how long have you been in business? After they've told me they're terrible with numbers and they don't know anything about that. Um, if they've been in business for any length of time, kind of more than three, four months, uh, I tell them that they do know how to manage their cash flow. It may not be ideal the way they're doing it. It may be very cumbersome, but the fact that they are probably mentally juggling all those numbers and they're making their business work, they, they do know how to do that. Um, and what they do best is they're coming with their expertise to offer their product or service. And so the money will flow with that, but you've got to be, as we talked about, good on the pricing and making sure you're profitable and then managing that cash flow. Yeah. And then so, and they definitely are accountable, going back to the word you mm -hmm. used, about this area of their business. Yes, absolutely. All right. So the other question I often get is as I'm growing, when do I know or when should I delegate components of the financial side of things? You know, starting with bookkeeping, then maybe accounting certainly what I would outsource to a CPA. 
What are your thoughts and recommendations on when I do that? So sometimes people don't at the beginning outsource their bookkeeping because they want to save on costs. A bookkeeper can be very inexpensive. And if you have limited transactions, I would recommend getting a bookkeeper right away. They're only going to work for you a couple uh, hours a month. Uh, and that's going to set up that financial discipline from the beginning. Certainly then you would look to have a CPA do your, your financial statements uh, once a year so you can file your, your returns. And then as you grow, I would say probably in between two and five million, you're going to probably outsource more of the accounting functions to your CPA um, to do forecasting, whether it's on the, the P&L side, whether it's the cash flow, and you might have a, a fractional CFO work with your business. And so it really depends on the complexity and um, everything that's going on, but you want to leverage your support uh, as you grow bigger. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Great advice there. I think that one of the things that's beneficial about outsourcing the bookkeeping right up front is that way what, what I find otherwise can happen is that something you put a, you put aside, you keep not getting yeah. to it. And so then it piles up and now you have no benefit from the financial transactions and the reporting of it. Yeah. Absolutely. The accountability stays with you as the CEO, um, but the responsibility for the actual functions can move. To yeah, somebody excellent. All right. Shift for a moment here to, to financing. Obviously you have, as, as we highlighted in your bio, uh, years of experience with helping business owners seek financing. The question I have for you is I'd like to get your perspective. What I have found for a lot of business owners is they bring to business, again, that lack of education on when to leverage money. And we, and what I find is a lot of business owners bring to it this thought that all debt is bad. And what I try to help people with is that within the right ratios, within the right uh, mm -hmm. leverage points, financing uh, either to get started or to grow is a tremendous option. But I'd like you to share your thoughts on how you look at that and how you help your clients look at when they should consider financing, not just to get started, but maybe to grow to the next level. So I don't think debt is good or bad. It's all in how you use it. And if you're going to be able to repay it, which is the absolute key to it, just like in our personal lives, we can accumulate too much debt. And then we hit a tipping point where we can't even make our interest payments. So we've got to manage that. Um, right at the outset, I do encourage everyone to get access to financing when they start, whether it be a small line of credit, as well as a credit card in the name of the business, so that your credit history can grow as your company grows. And then certainly as you're growing your business, if you are allowing people to pay you later, you're going to have your receivables. If you have an inventory component, as your sales increase, more and more cash will need to be directed to be um, held in inventory. Um, you'll have a larger percentage of your receivables that are going to be delayed in getting paid. And so you'll want to have access to a line of credit that can continue to grow. And then you also want to match your, your type of financing um, with what you're purchasing. So for working capital, like the receivables or inventory, we want to use a, a line of credit or something floating. Mm -hmm. If we're going to buy a piece of equipment or a building, we want to get fixed financing that can be repaid over years. And we want to make sure that those payments um, can be made by us and that we're comfortable with the level um, without getting too complicated or too deep into it. Absolutely. There's financial ratios that lenders are going to consider. And uh, some of the key ones, especially if it's for a building or a piece of equipment would be around debt service. Can you pay the principal and interest payments? And then looking at debt to equity. Is there too much debt versus equity in this business? 
And so you can kind of look at a, a package altogether. If you're working with your CPA or you're working with a financial coach, they can certainly look up what are the standard industry ratios for your industry and let you know how you compare to others in your, your industry, which is important to know if you're going to go in and ask for financing. Yeah, great insights. And so since you touched on on getting help, what what role then uh, and when do I hire someone like you, a financial coach? When does it make sense and what role is that played and how does that work with my CPA who I also have as a resource? So your CPA is your resource. Unless you've made an agreement with them, that is not necessarily their role and they don't think it's their role for them to actually educate you. So they will do your, your work and they will have a quick discussion about it. But unless um, you probably work something out, they're not there for that all the education piece. I would say as soon as you are interested in taking accountability for the financial side of your business, that's the best time for you to work with someone like me. Sometimes it's before you start your business. Sometimes people realize that 10 years in and it's a different time for everyone. Uh, but when you're ready to take that accountability and you know you need to take control of the situation, um, getting that education is really important. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so when you first, let's say, are engaged as a finance, a financial coach with someone who's got a mess, they haven't done any of this stuff, they're not keeping up with the financials, they're afraid of the financials and the numbers, where, where do you usually have them start to get their arms around it? First, we start with really a discussion about their business and I'll ask questions that are financial in nature, but they're going to tell me how they're running the business so that we can kind of get um, a foundation in terms of how are things supposed to go or how are, how do we want the numbers to reflect. And then usually we'll involve getting the bookkeeping caught up and they can do that relatively quickly. And then it's about setting up those activities and those reports for forward looking and, and monitoring. So whether it's a dashboard, whether it's the cash flow forecast, um, we would also have, in addition to numbers on the dashboard, have some visuals so they could quickly look at some graphs. So then they could put some dedicated time in their calendars. Um, you, generally, what I'm doing is a transfer of skill. So mm -hmm. what I know is going to transfer to them. So they'll be able to continue to do all of these things when we're done working together. And what I've found, and I'm sure you find all the time, Tracy, is that when when people start to begin to get their arms around it, as I said, and begin to get over that mountain of, you know, boxes or receipts or the transactions that haven't been recorded. There's this sense of relief that we can get it done. And, and, and I think that motivates you. It's just, it's so daunting when you've put it off for so long. For sure. And you can, when you're looking at people and I do a lot of my meetings remotely on, on zoom, but you can watch this <laughs> weight lift off their shoulders of and, and there's tears often. And I work with men and women, um, because they just have come to the realization, this is not impossible. I can do this. Right. And I don't need to know everything to do some of it. I'm going to keep learning and I, I can tackle this part right now. And I'm always going to be learning. Um, so it, it's a big relief. Um, sometimes through the, the middle part where all the stuff is getting straightened out, that can be very frustrating and overwhelming. Um, but I, I always tell my clients, stick with me through the end and you're going to come out feeling confident, um, competent and knowing what else you're going to learn as you move forward, because it's not just a, something we're going to do for a couple months. This is going to be a lifelong learning. Yeah, well said. All right. We've touched on it, but but summarize in for me the services that you do offer your clients through Bissett Financial Fitness. Certainly. So I predominantly um, spend my time coaching business owners, either one-on-one -on -one or through a group program. And that's really to increase understanding of 
um, all things financial related to their business, specifically financial statements, cash flow, digging into pricing. Uh, we talk a lot about profit leaks as well because money can be leaking out of your business, which erodes your profitability and you have to work harder. And it's a, a really great program, either the group or the one-on-one. -on -one. I get to know your business very well and provide some really practical insights to help you take control. It's about you feeling comfortable and confident. And what's the fee structure? How do you price your services? Um, group program is around 2000 um, for a six weeks of uh, training and office hours where people can come and get some information. And then the one-on-one -on -one is 7,500. Got it. Excellent. All right. So tell me about the podcast. I mentioned that young money, um, two questions, who is it for? Uh, well, let's, let me ask you to start with that. Why did you start it? And who is the show for? So throughout my whole life, I've been doing in a volunteer capacity, awareness and financial literacy training. I've worked with girl guides. I've worked with other um, organizations as well, like junior achievement. And I knew there was a need for plain, easy to understand language out there. I wanted to take my years of experience and turn it into something fun where people could learn. I uh, started the podcast in December, 2017. So we've been going strong for quite a while, new episodes every week, and it's geared towards those 18 to 30-ish in age, but we have parents, grandparents, um, other people who listen. And I find it to be a huge compliment when some of my old colleagues at the bank will say, you know what, I learned something new, Tracy, from your show. Yeah. Uh, so so we, we talk about all kinds of things, have lots of guests usually alternate between a solo show and then a, what, an interview with a guest, mm -hmm. all in the, the aim of helping people either learn a new skill or talent so that they can increase their earning power or something really tactical around credit scores or, or something about banking. Yeah, it's a great resource. Um, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that. Speaking of resources, I think you have a recommended resource for us to learn more. I do. So I do a lot of work with the Business Development Bank of Canada, uh, which is the bank for entrepreneurs in Canada. And so they have tons of tremendous resources, financial and otherwise for entrepreneurs. And so the, the website is bdc.ca. And they even have um, financial templates you can download and, and do your forecasts. Uh, they even have a financial management game that's, that's fun to get you trying to figure out, do you know these terms and increase your financial acumen while playing a little game? And this is all for the most part, the stuff that would apply in the United States, just as well Absolutely. as it would apply in Canada. Yes. Yeah. 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 These are general business resources for, um, for entrepreneurs. Right. Excellent. All right. Great stuff. So if you had to summarize it, what's one thing, Tracy, that you want us to take away from this conversation we had, you know, this is a broad topic, right? And we've only skimmed the surface of it, but when it comes to financial fitness for small business owners, What's one key takeaway you want us to have from this conversation? It's very important that you take accountability for this lifelong journey that you're on. You will probably make some missteps, so be kind to yourself, but get back on track, whether that's you just resuming your routine or reaching out to a professional who can help you do that. You need to be accountable, but not necessarily responsible for all of those detailed functions. Agreed. Agreed. And where do you want us to go online to learn more? Uh, LinkedIn is the best place. So you can find me there. Tracy is, has an E in it and Visit has two S's, two T's. Excellent. We'll put a link to that as well as to her, to her website. We'll have both of those on the show notes page for this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Tracy, a great conversation. Thanks for joining me today and sharing all of this knowledge. I, I appreciate you being with me today. 
Thank you. It's been a great conversation. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Tracy Bissett. I release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.